We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. And um, so we just go ahead and see if we can bring this home tonight. If not, well, great. But today takes us to part eight, right? Yeah, yeah okay. So we have been dealing with kingdom culture, unpacking the honor code, right? We've gone through about seven parts. Today is going to be part eight. And before we proceed, I'm okay, I'll get there. I hope I don't forget. Um, no, maybe I should say that now. If you have been in this house in the course of this series on the honor code, um, how do I put this? There, there are issues I've had as a pastor. You know, part of what we do when you lead people is to deal with issues, right? Yeah. yeah. There's issues I've had over the past few weeks that I haven't responded to. I haven't bothered to deal with. I haven't bothered to call the parties involved. I haven't bothered to step in. You know why? Because all the people involved have listened to the Honor Code series. So I have nothing fresh to tell you. Do you understand what I just said? Because the parties involved have listened to the Honor Code. In other words, if all you have learned so far from the Honor Code has not gotten to the point where it can translate into your interfamily relationships, I have nothing else to do to help you. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? There's nothing else I can do for you. I've told you over and over that my pastor says to me, son, if God will help a man, he will send him his word. If God will help a man, he will send him his word. If the word cannot do it, nothing else can. If you respect me for me and not for the word, there's only as far as you can go. God is a constant. There's no variant. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. He's as constant as he's ever been. God has been running full blast from as long as God has been running full blast. Do you understand? God has not improved. He has not gotten better at his job. Do you understand? His glory has not increased. It has not diminished because more sons are coming into glory. So as we are sharing the glory, the percentage is reducing. It doesn't work like that. Make sense? He's been running full blast for as long as he's been running. And that is, that is from forever. Oh Lord, Psalm 90, that has been our dwelling place in all generations. Verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So God dwells in heaven, so you say. Where was heaven, where was God before he created heaven? Our Father who art in heaven. Good. Where was he? Before he created the heaven that... He is at. When in Revelation 20 and 21, in the earth, heaven and earth are passing away, and a new heaven is coming out from the sky, from God. Where is God then? Where are you then? Because for heaven and earth to pass away, and for another earth and new Jerusalem to emerge, God is somewhere. Or somewhere is in God. Which is what it is. Everything at all times are immediately in God. So all he needs to do is just change dimensions. Eons. That's a Greek word for dimensions, for seasons. E-O-N. An eon. He just, he just removes something. Moves, moves that eon away. Yeah, the whole earth. The whole 6,000 year earth. Or the whole millions of year old earth, depending on which school of thought you subscribe to. It's just one eon. He just phases it away. And God continues. 
So here was God, and out of God came earth. Are you following me? Out of God came heaven. Out of God came Milky Way. <laughs> out of God came earth. Out of God came heaven. Out of God came existence. And so he can just do away with it and he's God. Make sense? It hasn't changed. Now when the established knowledge of God is not enough to satisfy the curiosity of a man, he begins to look for a truth above or beyond or higher than God. Are you following me? That's where evil religions emerge. Every false religion starts at the point where the knowledge of God is not enough. Is this making sense? Romans 1 makes it clear that although they knew him as God, they did not acknowledge him or glorify him as God. That's where vile passions emerged. That's where a reprobate mind emerged. That's where twisted sexual relationship and attractions emerged. That's where men began to lust after men and women began to lust after women. It did not happen in Romans 1. Romans 1 was explaining what began to happen before Sodom and Gomorrah. And so it's important that if we are believers, we must understand that the word of God is final authority. Final. So if the word of God says something about a matter, and we deliver what the word of God says about that matter, that settles it. Does that make sense? Yeah. The word, I, I know the word of God says this, but, but what? Our people say, I come against you. Our people say, cannot fly in the gospel. Our people have a saying. Our which people? Our Anang people. Our Ibibio people. Our Igbo people. Our Ikweri people. No, that doesn't, doesn't have a saying. It doesn't have a say. Because the gospel is self-sufficient. It's complete in itself. Are you listening to me? It's complete in itself. Our elders say, be careful about that. Because it is what the word says that is final authority. Colossians makes it clear, chapter 3, let the word of, of God dwell in you richly and in all wisdom. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and in all wisdom. All wisdom. So the word of God is premium. Everything we're saying is what the word of God can offer. In all wisdom. Remember when we saw that scripture that, that, that says that the, the purpose of God was to make the manifold wisdom of God known through the church to principalities and powers. So if we're schooling the principalities and powers on the manifold wisdom of God, it means that the fullness of God's wisdom is released to the church. Make sense? The fullness of God's wisdom is released to the church. We have access to it. So if we deal with something by the wisdom that God's word supplies and it does not suffice, then we're helpless. So, so God told me, you know what? Don't bother yourself. If anybody will not deal with the other person, with the church, with, with God, with spiritual authority, um, with the saints, according to the honor code, there's nothing else you can do for them. And honestly, I'm not trying to, to bully anyone or compel anyone, but you probably have not heard a more practical message than the honor code. Probably haven't. Honestly. You know when you hear, you hear a truth and it redefines your Christianity. It, it, it redefines your life. That's when you're a believer. That's when you're a believer. Where it, it totally changes your mindset about stuff. Changes your paradigm about stuff. Who's sneaking in like that? <laughs> it changes your, your mind totally about stuff. So you probably never heard something more challenging and more practical than the honor code in your life. And you probably would not hear anything else. 
Because in everything about what the gospel expects of us is wrapped up in the honor code. Everything. Everything about what God's word expects of us as New Testament believers is wrapped up in the honor code. If you can practice the honor code, you have fulfilled the, the law of grace. Remember I said grace is a law? When Paul says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Law, not as in a binding system, but law as in a culture. Make sense? It's in the culture. So take the honor code seriously. There are certain things that you struggled with that by now should have long ceased on account of the honor code. Pet some pettiness. You know, most issues we deal with in church are so petty, it's annoying. Let me feel what I'm talking about. They are so petty, it's annoying. It's, it's incredible. Uniform. This one said my hair is. That one did me. That one, the other person eyed me. I came in, this person did not greet me. I was talking to her, she talked to me anyhow. Who does she think she is? You see, as far-fetched as maturity sounds in the faith, it's not impossible to attain. Maturity is actually not even a process. It's a decision informed by revelation. Because when we make a process out of something, it appears as though you are striving at it until you get it right. But the Spirit of God doesn't call us to strive for something. You hardly find such language used in the New Testament where it tells you to try. You hardly find that language. The two or three times, and I don't have that because I didn't plan to do that, but the two or three times it appears, the contexts are very clear. Otherwise, we are not saved to strive to be. We are saved to be because we are. Do you understand? We're saved to be because we, we are. So maturity in the faith is not trying. It's not effort. Because if it becomes effort, it's not grace. Romans 11, yeah? If it is grace, then it cannot be works, or otherwise grace is no longer grace. If it is works, it cannot be grace, otherwise works is no longer works. If you, are, if you are saved to strive to become what you have been saved to be, then it's no longer grace. Now, if, if it is of grace, it cannot be of works because if it's of grace, then even though you are natural, you're having a supernatural experience. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? If it is grace, it cannot be works because if it's works, then you're not a, an ordinary being having an, an extraordinary experience. Now, if we're saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, through faith and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. And Paul makes it clear in Romans 4, I believe, yeah, Romans 4, that to him who earns something, it is, he has not been given as a gift, he has worked for it. Yes. Right? But it was said of our father Abraham that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him. They dashed him. Righteousness. They wore him. Clothe him with righteousness. King James says, imputed righteousness to him. So he didn't strive to be righteous. Is this helping anybody? He, 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 he didn't strive to be. As at the point of believing, he became righteous. So we are saved to be who we are. Does that make sense? We are saved to be, we are saved to be what our, our believing has made us become. Is this helping anybody? We're not safe to try to be holy. Safe to try to be temperamental. The fruit of the spirit, the fruit exists for you to eat, not because you sowed the seed and waited for it to germinate into fruit. But because he came, the seed. Christ. The seed came and that seed has brought fruition. What's the fruition? It's brought fruit. He's given the Spirit, and the Spirit has brought fruit. And the fruit, the manifestations, the offspring of that Spirit in the life of a believer, Galatians 5.22 are love, 
joy, peace, and all the six others. So it's not our effort. It's not that we sowed something and waited for it to grow and then we now eat the fruits called patience. Because when you think of fruit, what comes to the human mind is process. Right? Agriculturally speaking. But this fruit, you are eating of a tree that had been planted before time began and is feeding you the fruit, not from your effort, but from his effort. So it cuts out the human process. I'm teaching. So if we're eating of a fruit, of a tree, that we had no hand in planting, remember when, when God was showing them a type of Christ, he told them that you will eat from vineyards you did not plant. Yes. Said it to Israel and to us by extension. Who planted the tree? You? No, it's a tree of life. And what are the fruits of that tree? Love, joy, peace, fish, fruits of the spirit. Fruit, one fruit. Not fruits with an S. So it's not a fruit called love, another fruit called joy, another fruit called patience and peace and long suffering. No, no, no. It's if you have the fruit of the spirit, that fruit. Is all nine. In other words, you cannot eat love and not have long suffering. You cannot eat patience and not have kindness. You cannot eat peace and not have self control. So we do not struggle with dimensions of the fruit. If we have the spirit, we have the fruit in its fullness. And all we do is manifest it. So a believer does not, should not struggle with manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. All of the fruit. Yeah. All of them fruit. A believer shouldn't struggle with that. Shouldn't struggle with that. And that's the church we need to understand that we are called to be. And then you come into living the superior life. You realize that there are human beings and then they are human beings. Yeah. They're human beings and they're human beings. And you just wait and you go through. You wait and you go through. You're patient. You're long-suffering. So we cannot have one fruit or have the fruit and not manifest all the dimensions thereof. Maturity, I said, it's not a process. It's a decision that is informed by revelation. So once you come into revelation about something, that revelation is you maturing in that thing. Does that make sense? Ephesians 4, what is it that he, he ascended? But before that, that he descended to the lower parts of the earth. And he that descended is the one that ascended. Before he ascended, he gave them gifts. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Fourfold. You call them fivefold, no problem. But it's pastor-teacher. Combined. It's not pastors and then some teachers. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Because you cannot pastor without teaching. <laughs> you can't pastor that teaching. Yeah? For the equipment of the saints, it goes on in the next verse, for the works of ministry to all come into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Complete man, lacking nothing. Also, maturity, maturity is informed by, by revelation. It's not process. So don't think of your work with God, maturity in your work with God, in terms of maturity in your human evolution or development. It doesn't work like that. So you can have somebody who is 20 years old, but matured in the word. Make sense? And somebody who is 60 years old and a baby in the word. It doesn't take as long as your natural human trajectory to mature in the word. Does that make sense? Paul tells Timothy 
Second Timothy, I believe, or First Timothy. First Timothy, I think, chapter two. That from 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 a young age, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise. From a young age. From a young age, thou hast known the holy scriptures. So everything Genesis to Malachi had to say from a young age, Timothy knew. Paul celebrates his grandmother Lois, his mother that, and, and, and his mother that raised him in the faith, Eunice. Somebody showed me something the other day. Those guys are first of all Muslim before they are anything else. A Muslim is first of all a Muslim before he's a doctor, before he's male, before he's female, before he's a businessman. He's first of all a Muslim. And they got that from the church because unbelievers in Antioch looked at the disciples and said, this guy is... There's this Christ-like thing about them. Let's call them, let's call them Christians. So Christians were first called Christians in Antioch. But we are believers. They were called believers. They were called disciples. That's what he calls us. Christian is what they call us. And it's, I find it interesting that we have not made a religion and an identity out of what the unbeliever calls us. And we're, we're not arguing among ourselves about what he calls us. <laughs> He calls you believer. He calls you righteous. He calls you holy. You are arguing. But you're fine with what an unbeliever called you. He called, they called you like Christ. He calls you Christ and you have a problem with it. <laughs> they said you are like Christ. He said, as he is, so are you. And you have a problem with it. Ah, that's pride. That's pride. But you know what pride is? Not just thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. Reducing, taking away from what the cross paid for is pride. Seeing yourself and going, I'm not all that, I'm not so worthy. That's pride. Laced and spiced with foolishness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can the blood pay for something? And you say, no, I am not up to what the blood paid. I mean, if that's not pride, then the word does not exist. Yeah. Yeah. And so we define pride by that parameter. But there's also the, that of... That's why Paul will tell them in Galatians 3 verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has cast a spell on you? Who has cast a hex on you? Who has bewitched you? Who has mummified you? And he says, he says to them, he said, having started, in starting from grace, why are you not drifting into the law? How? And that's pride and foolishness. So they called us that. We said, yes, we are Christians. He says, you are Christ. Ah, no, God, take him easy. <laughs> I'm only human. I'm only human. No, you're spiritual. Yeah. And spirituals don't act like humans. Because yeah. Yeah. Mm. the kind of man is enemy against God. What was it? Hostile against God. So the honor code is what shapes us. If we get the honor code, we've got our faith. That's the truth. It's the gospel. Is the gospel. In this house, like you know what Paul told the church, such things should not even be heard among you. Bickerings, strife, issues, backbiting, gossip, malice, slandering, all that stuff, envying, you know, resentment, bitterness should not be heard among us in this house anymore. Because we know the honor code. So if you are struggling with someone, you are in, let me use legal terms now, in contravention of the honor code. You know what it means to be in contravention? To have broken a law. To have known, and it is clear from scripture, that where there is no law, there cannot be said to be sin. Does that make sense? 
So if we are aware that this is the honor code, and the honor code says to follow peace with all men, let put away, it says put away all malice, all strife from your members, from your instruments, from your faculties. If you know that and you, you go against it, you are in contravention of the law of grace. Does that make sense? And all you do is make your, the rest of your life on earth very difficult for yourself. So we are aware of these things. And we shouldn't be hearing of such things among us anymore. By now, the model church with Christ on display should be born. Shouldn't be talking stuff. I told you yesterday in the more sessions, when Paul tells the Corinthian church, you guys are having issues, you're going to the unbeliever to judge you. And he says, why are you doing this? Do you not know that you will judge angels? Because Paul says, the believer judges all things. He himself is judged of no one. Do we understand what we're being saved into? So a believer is not afraid of judgment. Because he is judged by no one. But he judges all things. So we'll judge angels. And if our lot is to judge angels, then it's not chewing gum and sweet fights we should be judging. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Maturity is not a process. It's a decision that is informed by revelation. Come, and sweet. You talk to me like this. You didn't talk to me like that. You are rude to me. You're not rude to me. And angels are watching you and they're looking and say, can you see these human beings? They were asking God, what is man? You are so mindful of him. And the son of man. That you visited him. You mean just a little lower than Elohim. Elohim means the Godhead. Elohim is the plural version of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul says that the fullness of the Godhead bodily is in Christ and Christ is dwelling in me. So Elohim is dwelling in me. I'm a little lower than Elohim. A little lower than Elohim means very much higher than the average human being. <laughs> do, you, do you understand what I just said? But if we're just a little lower than Elohim, then boy, are we a lot higher than principalities and powers and their rich human. That's why we don't have time to be praying to, to witches and wizards. I want to sleep. I pray to the Holy Spirit. I pray to the Son. I pray to the Father. Then I start to pray to demons. I start to pray to witches and wizards to bind them, to tell them to not come, to inform them of the no-fly zone. You start to pray to Satan. Satan, I come against you. Satan, I, Satan I'm thinking you spend minutes praying to Satan. Why do you see that in your Bible? He says, resist the rascal and he will flee. That's what he says, right? Yeah. Resist him. Don't you flee. You stay here praying. Satan, I bind you. Satan, Satan. And you don't, first of all, you shouldn't be praying to him. Second of all, you can't bind him. Yes. Then you want to cast him into the bottomless pit. You can't cast him. He's not in the bottomless pit. He's very much here in the earth with us. Yeah, that's that, that translation in Job chapter 1. Yeah. He's going to our fold. He's running business. You can't cast him. You can't bind him. Whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth is losing. It had nothing to do with spiritual powers. Listen, Matthew, go and read it. It's about sorting out issues between the church. Go to one person. If he has a problem, go with him. If he doesn't listen, take one or two witnesses. If he doesn't, go with the church and then let that person be to you an infidel and an outsider. And I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth is lost in heaven. As the church, if you say this person is an outsider, so he is. If you say this person is inside, so he is. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you lose is lose. It had nothing to do with devils. 
I'll read it when you go home. Had nothing to do with devils. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 15. Matthew 18, 15. Are we there? Um, I'd like to hear NLT before we read New King James. NLT, Matthew 18, 15 to um, 20. You will get the whole context of Scripture. You stop reading one, one verse and give me your own meaning to it. NLT, yeah. Matthew 15, Matthew 18, 15 to 19. Yes. You understand the context now? If church says you're right, you're wrong, and you refuse, we say, out you go. We say, out you go, because we have the power to prohibit. We have the power to legislate. If we bind, it's bound. If we lose, it's lose. We run our affairs here. If two of you agree on this thing, it's done. Context. No demons, witches and wizards. No satans. That was for free. Back to the honor code. That was actually the honor code, eh? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's part of the honor code, isn't it? You deal with something, he don't listen. You go with one or two people, they don't listen. You come to the church, we listen to you, we say, hey, you are right. And you say, no, hell no, he ain't right. I ain't right. You know what? That's the door. Don't let the good Lord, the door hit you, but the good Lord split you. Out you go. And we have power to do that because we can bind and we can lose. It falls down to honoring your leaders. But that's bind, whatever. The Bible says whatever we bind. So let's bind devils. Let's bind casa. Cast and bind, bind and cast. Deal with one another according to the honor code. Maybe a few, few months down the road, before the end of the year, I'll teach the entire honor code series again. Teach it again. Take our time and teach it again. Until you get it and it settles. But keep the information. Romans quoted Deuteronomy where Paul said, it is written of the word that the word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. That's when it's the word. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. It is near you, never far. Never far. You see someone and you, in your communication with them, you remember the honor code. In your dealings with them, you remember the honor code. In your thoughts, you remember the honor code. Honoring the saints. Honoring the church, the institution that is the church. Your giving changed by now. Everybody, by now in this house, we shouldn't be talking giving anymore. In this house. If, you, if that word sank in your heart, your entire sacrificial system should have changed. It should have changed. And if you are living in contravention to the honor code, you're not ready yet to be fully Christ-like. Because there's no other way. I told you last week, Monday, you can't fast your way into spiritual maturity. Deal with another, one another according to the honor code. Next week, I'll try and wrap up honoring our leaders. It appears the series continues. <laughs> you okay with that? Yeah. 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 Finish off with... Yeah, so I'm good, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for encouraging me. <laughs> yeah. So we'll pick up next week, try and finish honoring our leaders... But in the, I guess what has been on my heart to say the strongest, I think I have, that the, the honor code, you are almost a rogue by now if your life has not been changed in, a, in conformity with the honor code. It's the truth. Didn't you just read Matthew 18? We should treat you how we treat those tax collectors. Honestly speaking, everybody here, not to witch hunt, but you have the right to hold your brother 
accountable by the honor code. It's the gospel. Do you understand? I said not to which hunt. Because listen, manipulation, I, I taught you in the great exchange, the old nature is never far. Yeah, it's never far. Scripture says knowledge puffs up. Don't answer to carry it on your head. Like a town crier. Honor code, honor code, honor code. Honor code is not just holding accountable, it's making sure that what you're holding your brother accountable for, you're already living by. Yes. Don't make a mockery of it. Let's hold, let's hold each other accountable. The way we talk to each other, the way we greet each other, the way we address each other, the way we deal with stuff will change. Your, 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 your brother hurts you, you heard Jesus say, and that was even before the cross. You go and deal with them. You go and say, brother, sister, you spoke to me like this. And you didn't come across well. You, I know you probably didn't mean anything or you didn't say anything wrong with what you said, but it hurt me. And I thought, you should know. I repeat, you're not saying that because what you want is for the person to say sorry. If that's what you want, your ego is at play. You must be willing to have let it go without receiving an apology. I, that's how I started my teaching tonight. Do you remember? Yes. So your, your purpose for going to the person is not to extract remorse and apology from them. It's to let them know, making your obedience complete, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 and 6, listen, I didn't like the way you spoke to me. It really made me feel bad. And, and I don't hold against you because I know you probably didn't mean any harm or anything, but I just thought you should know. And as you do that, it's gone. And your obedience is complete. And God, at that point, is ready to punish any disobedience. 2 Corinthians 10, 6. Having a readiness to punish all disobedience when your obedience is complete. New Testament. New Testament. Your obedience is complete. If they said to you, eh, well, I didn't think I said, spoke to you anything wrong. I didn't think, let's leave them and God. You're done and you release them. Make sense? If you are practicing the honor code, you say, well, I had no idea that what I said hurt you. I probably held my, my opinions dearly, or I probably thought, I, I actually thought it was you that hurt me. Oh, really? And all of a sudden, an inroad to better understanding has been opened. Because both parties are open enough to come into understanding. Does that make sense? Not one person trying to beat the other person down to where they are. Are you following me? But there's an avenue to understand each other better. And then you realize, okay, when I speak the way that Stephen speaks, am I feeling intimidated? So you have an issue. Deal with it. Most of what we make issues are not issues. You know, you know when it became an issue? When you took it home and slept over it. Talk to me now. When you took it home, you know, when me? How dare she, he? How can you talk to me? Yeah. How does how she, how should, I mean, talk to me like that, treat me, then it now grows in your heart. And then you now prepare a rejoinder. Right? You're ready. It becomes an issue. But you, you deal with it. You deal with it in love. And deal with it ready to concede ground, not gain ground. Do you understand? You're not trying to take over your neighbor's territory. You know all these things we have, we have been taught in church. You are the first among your peers. All of us here are peers. Who is first over who? I don't understand some of these things we teach in church. Think about it. We all are first. It's over the world that we supersede. We're not competing against each other in church. Does that, does, does that make sense? I have some things and I, 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 I can't wrap my head around some, some of the nonsense that we teach in church. So we, we this, all of that stuff we need to strip off and become believers. It's a lot we need to strip off. It's a lot we need to strip off. A lot. A lot. And there's some things that will just not happen. If anybody, you're dealing with something and somebody around you in the same house advises you to keep it away from spiritual authority. He's building a rebel, a renegade inside you. Because part of the honor code is accountability. Do you understand? Accountability. 
accountability. Don't tell pastor. Pastor, no, now you now call us. So what, what do you want? So we're pastoring a house and people are having issues that are not being sorted, but they are being kept away from. Does that make sense? Let's deal with it. Let's know. Why did you go and tell pastor you are, you are a tax collector? You shouldn't have told pastor now. Why would pastor know? Pastor will now be seeing me funny, seeing me somehow with one kind of eye. Is this helping anybody? Yes. Not the jokes, I mean the... <laughs> Okay, all things work together for good, right? I'm encouraged. Can we just say the honor code? It's everything. Honestly, it's it's all that. It's all that. You will live with someone, you'll never have an issue with them. Ever. Ever. Another believer. That's what your translation said. Another believer. Even the NLT, another believer. Some things should not be heard among us. And we put an end to it by the honor code in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, please, stop something. Give freely, love freely. Deal with stuff freely. Tell someone, listen, hug them and tell them, you hurt me. I, your, words, your words pierced me. And I just wanted to let you know, I love you all the same. And let them say, I, I'm sorry. It doesn't, think about it, what honor is there in arguing? You said, it's not what you said that made me not talk to you like that. <laughs> And, and, and I realized that that thing is actually very African. You just cause the conflagration of the issue. You don't do that. Okay, you know what? You know what the word means, right? No. You don't, and I'm your pastor. Who knows what the word means to explain conflagration? Yeah, a little, a little ember, and then you put fuel to it, and it just erupts into an inferno. Yeah, it's not the way you talked. If you didn't talk like that, would I have talked like this? That's what will happen when people come to settle a matter. A man slaps his wife, and they come and ask him, "Say, it's not the way she behaved." Where's, where's, where's self control? Pastor, I know. Pastor, I know. I was just, I was just, she just pushed me to the wall. Break the wall and go out. Oh, yes. You're a man now, Abby. You're a man. Yeah, man, break the wall. You're, you're a superhero, are you not? Incredible Hulk. Yeah. The energy you used to slap the woman, you should have used to break the wall and create more space for yourself to push. I was pushed to the wall. So, is that the end? I know the Christian always pray for breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. <laughs> 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 it's not so breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. And then you, you are up against the wall and you can't break through. It is immaturity that excuses bad behavior. Maturity. Immaturity. Immaturity. Then you should talk to me like that. So me too. I was at that point. I just lost it, and I, I decided me too. I had to. I had to react. Spirituals don't react; they respond. It's a difference between a reaction and a response. I would. I would. I would. I would, I would do the honor code until it until it's finished. Is that okay? I won't rush it. Spirituals don't react. We respond. We assess the situation. Respond because a reaction is governed by the provocation, right? A response is governed by the information you have about how you can deal with the issue. Don't react to provocation, respond deliberately, or we don't do anything at all. Don't do anything at all. Don't be aggressive, madam. We need to talk. I calm down. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We need to talk. Wisdom, I've been waiting to see you. Ah, you, you, you. Talk to me now. How many of you know what I mean? Yeah. Or you hear the Nigerian question, is you have been waiting for outside? Hey, you feel like, where's my knife? Okay. Where's my 
Where's, where's my dagger? <laughs> and, and immediately you put the other person into offensive mode. Yeah. And you, at that point, you have lost a brother. But Matthew says, if you speak to them and they see reason, you have gained a brother. Is you have been waiting for outside? Of <laughs> see, <laughs> see what happened? Say a lot. <laughs> a lot has happened. You know, and then you start, and then you, especially when it has to do with sisters, you now start from an emotional point of view. You don't talk about what is the issue. You say, you know, uh, you know, I've been through a lot of pain in my life. You know, I went through this. You know, <laughs> fifteen minutes in, you have not come to the issue. You want to deal with what happened? You know, I'm just telling you, trying to know, tell, let you know. But then, ah, we don't need to know your life history. We don't need to, to know. Listen, back there where you said this, it came across like this, and I thought you should know. End of story. All my life, people are talking down on me. All my life, I went to boarding school. They, they suppressed me. In my family, I'm the middle child. You know, they do this to me. In my church, I was the youngest in the choir. They spoke to me like that. And then, then I now come to what abiding house, what a life. You two, you now start to now talk to talk to me like this. So I now start to think about my life. And I start to think, where can I go that I will now start to have peace? You know. Hey. Listen. Listen. Most of the emotion you display when dealing with an issue do not come from the issue itself. Comes from all the things you try to draw to support the weight of the issue. The issue is not that deep. Yeah? The issue is not that deep. Just by the time you allow the issue start to heap back up what Christ in the great exchange took away. Rejection. Low self-esteem. Things that a believer should not be dealing with anymore. That's when those emotions well up. Deal with the issue. Just deal with it. Don't, don't build an altar around it. It's just an issue. Until we get to the point where, we, listen, we can have an issue-free church. We can. It's understanding. It's revelation. We can have an issue-free church. Why would pastor speak like that? Why would pastor speak like that? Why would she talk like that? Then when he was pointing, he now said to point to me, did he know I have issues? Did somebody tell him about me? Why did he use my name, for example? I've been in church long enough to know these things. There's the honor code to the pure, Titus 2. All things are pure. Practice the honor code. Tell your neighbor, practice the honor code. Practice the honor code. If you don't know, ask. Practice. Gain a brother. Don't lose a brother now. Yeah? Don't lose a brother. Gain a brother. Encourage a brother. Help a brother to grow. And that word is not gender sensitive. Brother, sister, brethren. You know, encourage them to grow. You will have no issues with anyone. That's how you will talk to your lecturer. They will give you marks for tests you missed. Yeah? Yeah. One, of, one of the ladies here had to deal with, deal with a very, very troublesome dad. And she did was not looking forward to it. I said, just go and be nice. Just be nice. And she went and she was nice. And it worked. Another person has a stepmother and the stepmother is giving her issues. I said, just go and just sing. Just be nice. She's feeling like your mother, right? So you too, call her mommy. Yeah? Call her mommy. Hug her. Say, don't go anywhere. Why, why are you going out? What? I've finished everything you need me to do. I'm not a TV for you to sit down and watch me. Mommy, let me go. Said, I'll be back. Don't miss me too much. Hey, you're going to miss me. Should we, do, should we go together? Should I stay and gist with you? Yeah? You go to, you, you'll, be, you'll be amazed. And all of a sudden, you begin to fluff up the person. Because all they are used, all they are used to, they are wired to respond to aggression. They don't know how to process that emotion. You just mess them up. A soft answer turneth away rough. Keep scores of fire on their head. All of a sudden, somebody has tickled them and they're fluffy. And they don't like the feeling because it makes them very vulnerable. <laughs> and when they're smiling, I try not to smile. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, you know what I mean? You know, you know you have tickled them. They're trying to, they're trying to be tough. Okay, go. Don't, don't take long. Go. Thank you. No hair on your head reduced. Your age did not reduce. Nothing about your life shifted. 
is humility. Strip your ego and trash it. We don't need it in the kingdom. We don't need it. Throw your ego out. Humble yourself. Just position yourself and, and just go with it. Go with it. I want water. Hey, calm down. Calm down. May I, may I kindly have some water? It was only three seconds longer. And I want water. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I want, I want a charger. So? My phone is dying. So? Let's die. Let's die. This is the honor code, guys. Yeah. This is the kingdom culture. It's the kingdom culture. May I please have a charger? Is your charger in use? Is it okay if I use that? Is it okay if I sit here? Could you kind of, please call me? Good evening. Good evening. You respond. Good evening. How are you? You know, in, in Nigeria, the, the good evening is for the lower person. Then the how are you is for the higher person. Yeah. Good evening. How are you? What, what's the big deal about saying, of course it is a lovely evening, good evening, how are you? It's, 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 life is so simple. So we'll continue on, on Tuesday next week with the honor code. All right. All right, guys, good night. Thank you for coming. See you next week. Love you all. Practice. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.